to the Flex of Gold Fantasy Football Podcast, your new favorite fantasy football podcast, Angel and Lisa. Alongside me, as always, Nick Perillo. Nick, we had bye weeks for the last week. How'd you fare? Um, I really wasn't affected that much by the bye week, but I still lost, so that wasn't good. Yeah, <laughs> I can feel that. Not a lot of great teams on byes last week. I believe it was the Niners, the Jets, the, the Falcons. Falcons, and... What other awful team? Because it was another team that really you didn't have a lot of fantasy players for. It was like seven players. Anyway, regardless, whoever that fourth team was, they don't matter. This week, though, we do have a laundry list of relevant fantasy football teams in the NFL that are on by. That's going to have you scrambling the waivers to find somebody for a spot start this week. It's really where you get to flex your knowledge. It's kind of where fantasy football becomes fantasy football. Because like the first few weeks... And late season, it's all about, all right, we're going to leave the studs in so long as no one gets hurt. This is just, you know, this is the lineup I drafted. A little bit of tinkering here and there. But for the most part, it's like, okay, this is the team I drafted. This is what I had them to do. But the bye weeks, bye weeks have to have you thinking. You have to have be guessing. Who is the guy who I'm going to start this week that's going to pop off like a Khalil Herbert, like a Daryl Williams? bunch of running backs that were replacement backs this week went off. So it's going to be real fun. Yeah, definitely. This is where uh, you kind of have the meat of the season where you need to make sure that those guys that we've been talking about to maybe target on the waiver wire have uh, started to show some promise where you can make them viable starters or just the fact that maybe some of the guys you drafted and you've been stashing on your bench can come through and do something for you because nothing is worse than when you enter a bye week. I mean, some teams, I know there's a team I have in my league this week where his entire team is basically sitting. So it's almost like he's punting on the week which not that anyone makes that a strategy, but I don't really hate that uh, either because at least, you know, you get it out of the way and it kind of is what it is because it's always tough playing, you know, maybe, you know, imagine being down two running backs one week and down two receivers one week. It's, it's tough to come back from. Absolutely. I've actually started hearing this is like a new relevation uh, for the past two years. I've heard people kind of go into a draft strategy expecting, hey, uh, all these guys have the same bye week. I get them on my team and I just punt those weeks. They're not like, okay, I'm going to lose those two weeks. Who cares? I still have a killer team every other week. So you, some people try and stock it up like that. Here's a quick list of the guy, the teams on by. The Bills, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley. Uh, the two running backs have had m- moments. The defense has been really good. Dawson Knox. There you go. Dawson Knox. the whole team. Dallas Cowboys, that entire offense just electric. And the defense with Trevon Diggs always has some moments. Uh, Jacksonville. Well, some of these more than others, but you know, Jalen, uh, not Jalen, uh, Marvin Jones and uh, James Robinson have been pretty good this year as, uh, you know, wide receiver two RB2s. Chargers, Vikings, Steelers, like, man, that's a murderer's row of teams that have a bunch of startable options that, you know, you just can't play this week. Yeah, definitely a rough week for those buys. And those are superstar players on a lot of those teams that are going to, you know, account for a lion's share of points on a lot of teams, you know. If Justin Herbert on your team, you probably, you know, you might not have a backup quarterback. You need to go, you know, scavenge the waiver wire for one this week. Or even like, like you mentioned, some of those defenses are good. So if you have the bills, maybe you want to keep them on your bench and you're going to have to find room to drop a defense and add a defense. So there's a lot of tinkering that can happen 
uh, in these next couple in this week, at least where a lot of also maybe to look out for people are going to be dropping a lot of guys. There could be, you know, some, some, uh, some gold out there to enter the waiver wire after, you know, uh, the initial, uh, you know, the initial waiver go throughs. Yeah. You never know who's going to shake loose. And I'm just looking at the list again and just thinking of like all the running backs that are just not there. No Zeke, no Tony Pollard, neither Bill's back, uh, Singletary or Moss, James Robinson, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris. Like that, that's insane star power at the running back position. So that's going to be a nice position if you're a guy that went zero RBs. Well, this is the week that, you know, it's going to look like a genius because you're going to have all these receivers and scrap backs mm-hmm. uh, there for you. But let's go into the podcast, our takes, ads, and drops. My first take and my only take today, it's kind of ironic with this week being a bye week, is be wary of the urge to tinker because this is kind of like a disease we all have, especially if you're really obsessed with fantasy like we are. You kind of get discontent with your team no matter how good it really is on paper. Like it can make a lot of sense on paper, but you're like, man, I can't do these free agent ads because I have guys that I don't want to drop for anything. I'd rather trade them. And so you might be looking to make a trade where you're trading two for one or, you know, you're kind of taking a gamble on a guy. And it's really easy to kind of self-sabotage yourself by letting talent go. Like Henry Ruggs is a guy who, yeah, maybe he's not starting for you every week, but he's not worth cutting. He's not worth leaving on the free Mm -hmm. agent pile. Uh, I know that I had a trade that I did earlier this season that I, you know, felt the urge to tinker and took a risk and it really kind of blew back on me. And it it can really kind of sink your season or at least make it uh, lower your margins. I know, like, again, it's depleting my running back depth. So just be wary of the urge to tinker. If you have guys that are on buys that are kind of fringe that, you know, you don't exactly have a direct replacement for, it might be, wor- it might be worthwhile taking the L at that position if it means holding on to a guy that you really believe in long term. Uh Let's say A.J. Dillon, I think, is a perfect example. If you have other guys on buys and A.J. Dillon's, you know, he's a hand, he's a handcuff that you got on your backfield. You don't own Aaron Jones. Maybe he's a guy you let go so you can find a receiver to start in the flex that's got higher upside. But maybe you just hold on to him because, again, if Aaron Jones get, gets hurt, that upside for A.J. Dillon is a lot better than whatever waiver wire receiver you're picking up this week. Yeah, I think it's gonna it's it's a it's a weird uh, line to balance because you don't necessarily want to give up on those kind of handy handcuff guys, but at the same time, when you look at uh, a really you know like a receiver like Henry Ruggs, where maybe you know yeah you you kind of think oh if I drop him maybe I could pick him back up next week he might be gone though I think it's important to keep guys who you kind of know are consistently gonna do something as opposed to lottery tickets like. Not exactly AJ Dillon, but guys where they're getting two points a week or like four points a week, but it's just the prospect of having them explode. Where maybe you can kind of get away with dropping them and then picking them back up if you really wanted them that badly. Perfect example is Sony Michelle. Like he's a guy that's a fringe player, burning a hole on my bench because I have to hold on to him because I'm a Henderson owner, and Henderson's liable to get hurt mm-hmm. any week. And Henderson's numbers have been really good. Michelle, the one week that Henderson was out was fine and startable, so I have to hold Michelle, and that chews up a bench spot. So it can be really hard to fight the urge to tinker, but I I insist, if you like your bench, if you like your flex guys, and the waiver wire, you know, you kind of need a starter, might be worth just taking the L in that position and just saying, all right, I'm going to keep my team intact for the long term. 
Yeah, I think you just made a great point because then in a scenario like me, I did have Sony Michelle, but I don't have Henderson, and I dropped Michelle like two weeks ago because, like you said, burning a hole in your bench. I, I had too many injuries, and I was like, you know what? Let me get some odd JP Ryan because I have Joe Mixon. So it, it does kind of matter. Like, like I have Chuba Hubbard, and I'm not going to get rid of him at all at any point in the season because obviously right now he's starting. But even when McCaffrey comes back, if at all he does, because now he's on the IR for three more games, uh, you have to just keep guys like that around. Uh, shifting to my take this week, uh, I'm going to go with uh, the fact that I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a viable fantasy starter by the end of the season. Um, you know, rookie quarterbacks can be tough. Usually we see there's one breakout guy within the group. This year, haven't really seen a big, big breakout. I mean, some guys have looked okay, but no one really like an every week starter like you had Justin Herbert last year kind of emerges that guy. But these are some of the weeks where you might see um, a step in the right direction for some of the quarterbacks. But I think that Lawrence has looked a lot more comfortable the past couple of weeks. Granted, he hasn't put up huge numbers, but he's throwing for a decent amount of passing yards the past two weeks. And I think he's you know, going to be able to cut down on the turnovers a little bit. I know it was a weird game in London, but played pretty well against the Dolphins. Jaguars got their first win. I think that he'll be um, a better option to use maybe later on in the season as uh, we keep moving forward. And maybe he'll get his legs involved a little bit more as the Jaguars. You know, they're not going to win a ton of games anyway, but you at least want to be competitive and maybe, you know, start to use Trevor Lawrence in all facets of his game. Yeah, I will say this. Watching that London game, he looked a lot more comfortable than he did early on in the season where he was making some really bad decisions. So I do like that upside. I We kind of got really excited with Justin Fields and Trey Lance before realizing they're really not ready for the NFL quite yet. Like they do have that running upside, but you still have to be an efficient passer and neither of them have shown the ability to, whether it's their offensive play calling in Chicago or, you know, this is just the raw ability in San Francisco. Mac Jones is the only other uh, rookie QB I would ever consider starting, but he's got a limited ceiling just because of how that offense runs. Like he's going to get you maybe 16, 17, 18 points a week, but he's not going to get you 30. And I think Trevor Lawrence has like real nuclear potential as a on a bad team that's gonna you know at least throw the ball a little bit more than what they do in New England or at least let the ball go deep more than what they do in New England so I do like that again I think with every passing week we're seeing Lawrence kind of adapt to the NFL again it's surprising that he's gone under the radar as much as he has yeah definitely I think that like you mentioned some of those nuclear games we could have we even saw him in week one have a pretty good game against a bad uh Texan you know team I think that He's a guy you should target for some of those games where he is playing a, a lesser team or a lesser defense where maybe the Jaguars are going to be involved in the game a little bit. I mean, Dolphins don't have a, an atrocious defense, but also just, you know, Tua came back and, you know, there were some mistakes they made in the second half there, but Dolphins are still a, uh, you know, one in five team at the end of the day. So he definitely showed that he was a little bit more capable in that game. Absolutely. Moving on into our ads, and maybe Trevor Lawrence gets mentioned here because, again, a lot of guys on buys. But my first ad is going to be Rashad Penny, and he's the guy I'm really going after in my main league. Reason being, uh, Chris Carson on IR with a neck injury. You never know with those, and that could be one that you know lingers. Alex Collins got banged up in the Sunday night game against the Steelers. His status is currently questionable. Rashad Penny should be coming off IR this week. And I think that the Seattle being the stubborn team that they are, they spent a first round pick on them. They're going to want to recoup some of that value. So I think even if Alex Collins is healthy, 
that they're going to want to give the reins to Rashad Penny because they have that investment. Alex Collins was, an uh, I want to say, if not a late-round pick, an undrafted free agent by the Ravens, who the Seahawks picked up off waivers. Travis Homer got kind of banged up. DJ Dallas is more of a special teamer, even though he's shown some flashes on offense. But I, I think Rashad Penny, just for his upside and the fact that you know, sunk cost for the Seattle is just not in their vocabulary. I really like his future prospects in that injured backfield. Yeah, I was going to maybe think about Rashad Penny, but just, uh, you know, the body of work he's had in the past couple of years, injured. maybe kind of stay away from him. Yeah, injured. Uh, so just really hasn't ever gotten a chance there in Seattle. But like you said, return on investment. If you're the Seahawks, you might say to yourself, we drafted this guy for, well, he was a first round pick, right? Yep. And a first rounder. Yeah. Like he was a first round pick for a reason. So maybe, you know, they go into it thinking to themselves, you know what, this guy's got to have something in there. Let's try to get him, you know, 20 carries a game and see what he can do. Or at least maybe he gets quick little spurts and gets himself somewhere positioned because, if you're the Seahawks, you got to think to yourself, too, you know, we're going to need some guy to take over the reins in the future. And it would be a great, you know, uh, return on investment, like you said, to maybe have one of these guys emerge as a running back that can be, you know, the guy, at least for a little bit down the road when Chris Carson's contract eventually, you know, is up or, you know, if he continues to be injured. Uh, going to my first player who I would add this week, uh, I'm going to go with T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton, someone who, I mean, at one point in the fantasy uh, realm was a consensus number one uh, receiver for a couple of years, but, you know, a little bit older now, a little bit different team, but he's coming uh, back from an injury. And I just think that he's a good veteran presence receiver that uh, Colts offense, you know, could benefit from. Um, They have a lot of young receivers, but Carson Wentz has actually looked pretty good the past couple of weeks. Um, and that offense is clicking a little more. So I just think it's a good receiver to have for that team, and I think he could pay dividends uh, fantasy-wise. I got snake bit by T.Y. last year. where He was super injured. He started to look washed, and I'm kind of – I kind of have that built-in bias towards him now. It's just like I'm not I, – I, I struggle to see a season that makes him anything more than a low-end flex. And my brother is kind of big on T.Y. He says he's going for him on waivers. I can understand the rationale there. I mean, they have a very young receiving core with like Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, who's always banged up, and Zach Pascal. Depending on how you feel about him, Pascal did find the end zone in the first two weeks. We'll had a zero burger last game, so we'll see. So I can understand the rationale. For me personally, the guy that I would like to target on the Colts, especially with you know tight ends on my weeks, it's Mo Ali Cox, uh, former basketball player for VCU. I think that's been uh, you know drummed really hard every time he catches a football but the dude's big he, he's athletic like you wanted a tight end he always has a knack for finding the end zone someone that's been pretty efficient the past three weeks 16 5 and 8.8 in uh standard scoring that goes up in p uh, ha, uh full point ppr to 19 8 and 9 which is very solid numbers for a tight end that you're claiming off waivers and, you know, he's he's had a few seasons of this, regardless of who the quarterback was. He Phillip Rivers last year he did pretty good with. Uh, even when they had those terrible QBs the year before. Just a guy that's pretty consistent in the tight end space. Doesn't have a lead upside, but does just enough to be relevant on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, Mo, I, I think Mo Ali Cox is a guy who, like you said, um, kind of just been around for 
doesn't, I mean, he hasn't been around for a long time, but I think in the fantasy world, it's almost like he's been there forever. It feels like just because he's a guy who everyone always kind of talks about a little bit, uh, not really ever a starting tight end, kind of like always in a two tight end set or system, but you know, it's, it's not bad to take a stab on him. And especially, I think we talk about tight ends a lot, um, you know, on this podcast and where you kind of need to plug and play with some of them a little bit. If, uh, you know, you're not getting an elite tight end, you know, you might be hitting the waiver wire every so often to find a guy that sticks. And I think we've found a couple of guys that have been sticking like Ricky Seals Jones. So maybe Mo Alley Cox could be the next tight end that kind of sticks for a team and at least can be, uh, you know, a streamable option for you if you needed a, you know, a bye week this week or just to hold on as a backup tight end. Uh, going to my second uh, ad that I'm going to go with, um, it's going to be Chris Evans. I think that uh, Chris Evans is someone who you should target uh, just because he's getting more involved, I think, uh, with the Bengals, um, Bengals backfield game. More of a pass catcher than Joe Mixon is. I mean, Joe Mixon did have a receiving touchdown in the game uh, this past week, but it was kind of a broken play where he was wide open and had a blocker in front of him. We haven't really seen Mixon get a ton involved in the passing game, which is you know, not something you'd love to see if you're a mixing owner, but um, Chris Evans has been involved more. And I think that he's someone who um, is going to benefit a lot from Mixon being a little bit banged up and just being able to kind of uh, show his skill set. So I think he's not a horrible, I, horrible guy to stack stash on your bench for, um, you know, uh, injury purposes, but also for the fact that also, you know, also for the fact that, um, you know, he's got some skill set to him. Yeah, I actually uh, was kind of on him last week in my league. I picked him up and dropped him just because, again, I don't really have a large bench. I wish I we had like two more spots to roster, but even then, like that's insane in the shallowness of a 12-team league. But Evans does have that upside. I think I was watching a, a video about how Samaje Pirine, not a super explosive running back, does not really have a lot of elite traits. Whereas, like, you know, Mixon has some moments of looking really good and talented. But Chris Evans is, like, a super athlete. And I think this could be a way to get him the ball more is in the passing game, which are the more valuable snaps. So they want to kind of spell Mixon. I'm not sure. I want to say Mixon's contract's coming up soon. So maybe this is a good way to see what you got on the rookie Evans. And, you know, I, I he does have solid upside. He is a guy I would be monitoring. Uh, just... Again, it's hard to say based on what your bench looks like. So, like, if you have the space, absolutely. If you have guys that are pretty well established, I would not uh, cut any of them for him. Finally, uh, guy I'm looking to pick up, especially to stream a quarterback this week. Uh, luckily, I don't have that problem with Lamar Jackson, but Derek Carr. Uh, dude's been pretty solid this year. I mean, four games over 20 points, five games with two touchdowns. And, you know, a very winnable game against Philly. In the four wins that they have this season, he has thrown for over 320 yards. Uh, all those games, also two touchdowns, three only three interceptions. I kind of like that upside for him. I, again, if you're looking to just get a nice, consistent 22-point outing from your QB and stream a guy this week, I think Derek Carr has that floor at 20 points. And, you know, if he gets more than two touchdowns in the game, maybe he explodes and gets 30. So I really like him against a very weak Philly team. Yeah, he's kind of been bouncing around. I, I see sometimes like he gets added and dropped a lot, but I think he's someone who's definitely uh, a viable backup this week. Like we, we we mentioned already, 
ton of guys who are going to be on buys this week. He'd be someone who I'd love to have uh, as my starting quarterback if you need him in a pinch. Just always kind of consistent. Playing a Philly team that's not that great. I could see big uh, you know, point dividends coming from him. Uh, going to my third, Ed, it's going to be someone who uh, is probably the consensus number one pickup this week. It's uh, Dearness Johnson running back for the uh, Cleveland Browns. He's going to be splitting carries uh, probably with, uh, what's the guy's name? Is it Felton? Demetri Felton, yeah. Yeah, Demetri Felton. So, but uh, Johnson's been in that system uh, for, you know, a couple of years now. And we've seen him actually emerge before, you know, Kareem Hunt got there. He was the primary backup. But he's been in the system a little bit more. I kind of think you'd lean on Johnson to be the one getting some of the carries. And if he starts out hot and, you know, is getting uh, good yards per carry to start this game and the offense is moving, you're going to see him have the ball a lot more. Also, I think they're probably going to lean. I was thinking about this, too. They're going to lean on it more because I don't know if you've noticed, you know, Baker Mayfield's a little bit banged up still. I think he had his arm in a sling last week. If something was uh, maybe his non-throwing shoulder, he's banged up. You could tell, but he's still, you know, going out there and, you know, managing the game well. But they're definitely a team that just relies on the running game a lot. Yeah, and that's kind of like where I'm going to with this team as well is that the offensive line is banged up, but they still have an identity as a running team. I kind of think of them as those Jets teams in the 9 and 10, except on a way better scale. I think they have a lot more talent than those Jets teams did, at least on the offensive side. I think defensive side of the Jets kind of edged them out there. But they are a team that has the identity of running. And with Baker being banged up, it kind of hesitates me from Donovan Peoples-Jones because he's kind of been a flash in the pan guy before. Jarvis Landry, too. They're not a passing team, and Baker's not a guy that you can drop him back 35 times and he'll throw for 350 yards. He's just not that kind of QB, and that's fine. The identity is the running game, and even when they're banged up, they're going to try and get the running game going. Darius Johnson has had you know moments of success when the other guys are hurt. So I do like his upside the rest of the season, especially for these next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll see where he's at in two weeks when Chubb is off the uh, injury list, when Hunt's off IR. But so long as one of them is injured, he's got value. Moving on to our drops. Uh, my first drop is going to be Damian Williams. I think Khalil Herbert showed that he can kind of more or less handle that workload. I know they still want to run the ball a lot in Chicago with Justin Fields at QB. But why not just run it with Herbert? Like I feel like Herbert, just being a younger guy, a little bit be- better in the passing game than Williams, that's the guy you kind of want to run with Justin Fields. You also have Tariq Cohen lurking somewhere. I know he should be coming off injury soon, although the injury you know has kind of taken longer to heal. And then David Montgomery, it's not like he's out for season. He's out for a few more weeks. Damian Williams is a guy that I would try and sell high on as like a guy who you know gets maybe 15 carries a week. And there's certainly worse, but I feel like Herbert is the running back you want. I don't want Damian Williams. Yeah, I think Herbert is uh, the guy who you should probably be targeting uh, to keep, uh, you know, in that backfield in Chicago. Williams is a guy who I, I kind of think he got, um, you know, the boot early on. I thought he was going to be have more staying power, but Herbert showed off that. Uh, his, you know, his skill set is, you know, a lot more younger and, um, you know, going to be more explosive for that Bears offense. Kind of br- breathed some life into them too uh, this past week, and he had a really good game. So it, it's tough to kind of uh, back uh, Williams. So 
with Herbert being the guy, I think it's an easy uh, drop uh, there in Chicago. Going on to my uh, player who I would be dropping this week, it's going to be Evan Ingram. Um, you know, we talked a lot about how Evan Ingram wasn't a great viable starting tight end before the season and how, like, you know, he's a smoke and mirror guy, was a first-round pick, but hasn't really done much. And he's continued to uh, prove us right in that department. The thing that always uh, kind of gets him is he got picked up eventually just because he is a starting tight end and teams needed tight ends. So that's why he was picked up. But, I mean, he has no place on any roster anymore, especially with all, you know, even with all the Giants offensive players being banged up, that team's just not that good. And he's not really being utilized at all in that team. More, and even so, like that, you talk about the worst parts of an Ingram is the drops. Like the guy just can't hold on to the ball. Even when he catches the ball, he's someone that's had fumble uh, his f- fumble issues. Excuse me. Uh, so far this season, four games since he's come back off injury, not over six points in standard. In PPR, topping at nine and a half points. There are better options. Hasn't found the end zone. And you're right. Even with uh, the banged up Giants receiving core, really hasn't seen much upside to his targets at all. It's been pretty consistent, and he's just not really a guy you want to roster. Staying in the NFC East, let's move on to Jalen Rager. I just think that this Eagles team, despite the fact that they dropped Jalen Hurts back seemingly 45 times a game, Rager is not really seeing any of it. I mean, he topped out week one, six catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Since then, 2.5, 10.3, 3.1, 5.4, and a zero point outing on three targets against a very porous Tampa Bay secondary. I just think that it's time to admit that he was not a worthwhile pick. You know, they picked him pretty early. Uh, Devonta Smith has looked as good as advertised when he can get the ball. Rager's just not a guy that moves the needle. And I think that if you have him at 44% owned in ESPN, which is just mind blowing, it's time to let him go. Yeah, he's someone who I I actually did take a flyer on him last week, but after the goose egg, I was like, okay, maybe uh, maybe this was a bad idea. Um, he's one of these guys reminds me kind of, of like Corey Coleman, where guy had a lot of talent coming out of college, just never really, I mean, could put it together. And Rager's kind of on that same path where you'd expect him, you know, with a team who we've talked about ever since Alshon Jeffries, uh, you know, ever since he left that team, it's kind of like, oh, well, who's their number one? Who's their big receiver? They haven't really had anybody, and you'd think maybe Rager would step up and at least, you know, be kind of, you'd, you'd think, I, w- I was always thinking like that Eagles, like, you know, wide receiver core could turn into like kind of like what the Colts are starting to have right now with some of the younger guys like Campbell and Pittman starting to figure it out, but Rager just hasn't figured it out yet, and it's a it's an offense that I really think, they, they don't benefit much from anything besides Jalen Hurts' legs. None of their, you know, they don't run the ball to Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell's because can be disappointing game to game. So it's just a bad offense, and I think it's a bad offense with an underperforming receiver that you don't need. Um, I'm gonna go with my second drop to be Brandon Bolden. I think before this week, um, people were probably pinning Brandon Bolden as like the bigger backup than Ramondre Stevens, but Stevens actually had a pretty good outing against the Cowboys on Sunday got involved in the passing game and the running game a little bit. And I think he's kind of, you know, wiggling his way into the number two role there. Not that Brandon Bolden's owned in a ton of leagues. I think he's owned at about 19% of leagues. But if you have him on your team, I'd drop him anyway. With a, with a Patriot team where, I mean, Damian Harris is good, good enough to, you know, be their starter there. 
it's not really like an explosive offense that's going to score a ton of points. Like we've said, they're kind of a punchy in the mouth, like play defense, conserve, you know, like uh, field position, run the uh, chew the clock kind of team. So they're not going to be putting up a ton of points anyway. And the running game is probably the secondary part of their offense anyway. It's also just not really high upside. I mean, Damian Harris is the only guy you can feel really good about on a week-to-week basis because it's clear that despite having some fumble issues this season, Belichick trusts him or at least believes in him the most. Stevenson mm-hmm. had a solid outing last week. Bolden's just a little bit too old, I think, for this offense. And Belichick is probably looking towards getting younger on offense. So, you know, it's hard to kind of own any Patriots offensive weapon. It's just a very ugly team. Jacoby Myers is really good, but we don't know how good. Still hasn't found the end zone, which is a wild stat Crazy. for that guy. So completely understandable with Brandon Bolden. I was uh, not big on him when uh, the backfield guy banged up anyway. Finally, wrapping up with Thursday Night Heat Check. We talked about him a little bit earlier, Demetric Fel- uh, Demetric Felton. I just kind of think if the Browns are going to try and get creative here, and I think Stefanski has shown that he's got a wild side to him. You got to scheme up more plays for Felton. The guy's electric, can make a big play. Even Anthony Schwartz is kind of up there, but I I would go with Felton just because with that running back uh, shallowness right now, they just called someone up from their practice squad. Uh, Dearness Johnson has shown fine, like flashes, which is fine, but I think Felton's a guy who's going to give you a lot higher upside this week. And on the flip side for the Broncos, Tim Patrick. Not going to get you much upside, but. He's good for 12 points in PPR. He's going to get you those 12 points by one by chance or by touchdowns or by targets. He's going to get get you there. He'll get you there. Solid flex player or a low-end wide receiver, too, if you need him in a pinch. Mm-hmm. I like Tim Patrick a lot. Um, just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go for uh, the Browns hot. I'm going to go with actually Donovan Peoples-Jones. Had a really good game uh, last game with Jarvis Landry being out. He's the clear number two. And I think he's better to get more receptions and you know than Odell Beckham because, I mean, Odell isn't what he was, but he's not – you know, him and Baker have never clicked to begin with. So it's not like Odell's going to be running, you know, a lot of short routes, getting a lot of catches. I think Peoples-Jones and Baker have built a little bit of chemistry there. So I like him. And like we said, with the running game being kind of hurt, if that running game doesn't get started, they're going to have to throw the ball. I like Peoples-Jones to have a good game. And uh, for the Broncos side, I'm going to go with Javante Williams. Um, Still, you know, gets a, you know, hasn't really gotten great numbers, but he is still kind of in the mix in that running game. Had 11 carries last week for 53 yards. So his yards per, you know, attempt was pretty good. Um, also added three catches to that. He's had at least three catches in his past three games. So he is involved somewhat in the offense. You know, if he finds the end zone in a couple of those games, numbers look a lot better. So maybe if he's able to find the end zone here, he could be like, you know, a decent flex play for somebody this week. Yeah, I'm really holding out hope for Jonathan Williams to eventually, you know, secure more of that backfield work. I'm very both impressed and annoyed at how the Broncos have kind of split it exactly down the middle with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. So they're both like low end flexes and you're hoping for touchdowns with them. But like I started Javante Williams last week. I'm like, ah, you know, there are worse things I could do. But yes, that will do it for this week's takes ads and drops. Nick, I wish you the best of luck for this bye week because uh, I know we'll all need it. Yeah, I need a win bad. I need a win to keep the season alive. 
I'm at a five and one in both my leagues. Take took my first L in one of them, and uh, looking to bounce back. I regression is coming for me, but I will say to regression, much like Derrick Henry, not today. Uh, but quick programming note: we will not be here Friday or next week. I am out of town, so no re- recording. We will pick back up after week eight. So week eight will be our next episode. Takes ads and drops after week eight. For Nick Perillo, I'm Angelo with Lisa, and as always, we hope it pans out for you.